We're going to let Mike give our delegate report. As delegate, um, my position is, is the liaison between the church and you uh, as the congregation, but it's also a representative of our church to do the business matters of our conference. Now, for some of you who may not be aware, we do belong to a, an organizational structure. Uh, our church belongs to uh, the River Conference. Uh, for those of you who don't know anything about or very little about the River Conference, uh, we are a, a group of churches that geographically go from probably Bonner's Ferry. Yeah. Bonner's Ferry to the north to Austin, Texas in the south. Uh, we have churches in, in, I believe it's eight or ten states. Uh, we're huge. So large that we actually had three regional uh, annual conferences, one in Boise, one in Denver, Colorado, and one in Austin, Texas. And uh, so we met as regional leaders. Uh, I do want to report to you that the uh, Free Methodist Church is doing well. Uh, we are growing Contrary to uh, some other denominations and some other groups, the Free Methodist Church in uh, North America is growing. Uh, in other places, such as Africa, Asia, it's growing almost exponentially. So the, the church that you are a part of and the denomination that you are also a bigger part of is sending the gospel to those who need it. And those are wonderful words of encouragement as your delegate. Uh, I, I'm not going to bore you with appointments and fiscal stuff. Uh, just to say that God is using our denomination and our church to reach the gospel to those who need it worldwide. Hmm. Uh, so that's my delegate report. Very good. Okay, I'll, I'll throw out just one set of numbers. Okay. Um, at age 137, our conference cracked a million members. That was in 1997, 1999, 1997. Uh, 13, 14 years later, we doubled that to 2 million. Um, they are anticipating doubling that to 4 million within the next few years? By 2017 or so. Yeah, so exciting exciting stuff going on and exciting that we get to be a part of that even sitting here on a hill corner of ash and Cortland. mike since you already had the mic um what's one thing that stuck out to you just personally well personally my prayers have already been answered because one of the things that you worry about is that someone like elena is going to steal your point <laughs> <laughs> and if you and if you get to go first you get to steal their point. There was a lot of takeaways that I had from this. One of the, a couple of comments, and then something that I don't think was necessarily a phrase, but one of the, a couple of key phrases that I, that really struck home with me was, one says, God is not obsessed with our churches. He is obsessed with the kingdom. That, that struck home to me as, as someone who, who sometimes worries about appearance, you know, the outside appearance. Uh, that struck a chord to me. It's not important to God what these walls look like. What's important to God 
is the kingdom that's being built within these walls. So that was one of my takes. And here was another one that that I'm going to tie on to. The statement was made that everyone, and I I am not quoting because I'm I'm paraphrasing because I don't write as fast as anyone talks, says everyone, regardless of vocation or stature, is a gift of God and has a specific and unique role in the creation of the kingdom of God. Now, that really, really struck home because because I'm at a point in, uh, in my age where sometimes I think that my active role in ministry is, is declining, and that's anything but the truth. The, the thing I want to probably talk about or the thing that touched me the most was probably at a time when I wasn't supposed to be listening as much because the, uh, the speaker said, I want to talk to your pastors now. And so immediately, I just perked up my ears. I want to hear what they're going to tell our pastor. And the gist of it was, pastors, you can't do everything. Matter of fact, pastors, you shouldn't be trying to do everything. That's what you have lay people for. The instance was talked about that 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 Jesus, even though many times Jesus would, would heal and convert large groups of people, that there were many circumstances, documented circumstances, when Jesus would go into a town or into a, a building or into a situation where there were hundreds, maybe thousands of needy people, people who were broken, people who were diseased, people who were sick, And Jesus would go, and he would heal one. Not that he didn't care about the others, because all of us are important to God. But Jesus' purpose at that time and at that place was to heal the one. And I think that's what relates most to me to relate back to us. You know, some of us here think that our gift or our talent or our purpose is insignificant or it's not perhaps as good as the person that we have next to us. God's not asking you and I to save the world. God is asking you and I to go into the world and save the one. Mm. And that was my takeaway. Mm. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I'm just going to leave it for you guys. Uh, who else wants to share? And Dr. Dean, if you want a mic, there you, you got one. Um, well, I just went along for the ride. <laughs> well, was it a good ride? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought it was inspiring, the uh, discussions about a healthy individual, healthy person, healthy uh, uh, church and a healthy culture. And he gave us some uh, interesting points to uh, deal with on that and I think we have some things to work on. Uh, But it it was interesting that uh, a different conference, that's been quite a while since I've gone to conference, 
and uh, it was entirely different than usual. About the one hour on the conference business, the rest of it was all uh, on listening to uh, inspirational talks, and they were inspirational, very, very good. Um, but Pastor James pulled a fast one on me, and so did, so did <laughs> Superintendent. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that one. You didn't. You didn't tell me about this. This? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't bring my book. I had notes. I had notes, but I didn't bring my book. So <laughs> I'll pass it on here. Thanks, Dr. Dean. Uh, well, one thing that I wanted to just... I, I came here this morning not having any idea of what I was going to say because um, there was so much. And um, sometimes it's hard especially just the next day to figure out, marshal your thoughts and distill down what you want to present to a congregation. But um, this morning, James introduced this conference as um, being a healthy people, being a healthy leader, being a healthy church. Um, And I thought I would correct him a little bit because uh, the emphasis was on becoming those things. Um, and not that we have to be those things now or that we're expected that we're always going to be those things, but that it's a continuum and that it's a process. And it's a hard process sometimes. Mm -hmm. And here I go again. I don't think I can get up in front of you guys and share my heart without crying, so... Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a process, and we all we're all in a different place, and we all have things that that we're working on, and um, the things that I'm working on are the different than the things that that you're working on, um, and I think we're we're called as a as a community to support each other in those things and to work on them together. And to be willing to say, um, it's okay that you're not where you want to be or where um, the ideal is for what you're doing. It's okay that you're not there yet because we love you and, and God loves you where you're at. But I'm not alone. Um, <laughs> um, but it's it's a process, and um, and that that we're trying to become more healthy. That we're trying. I'm trying to become a a more healthy person, and um, to become a more healthy leader. And that as a congregation, we're striving to become more healthy. Um, and we may never reach what our ideal is, but that's okay too. And I don't think, I don't know if any of that was necessarily said, but that's what I heard at the conference. Um, good. And very good clarification. Becoming is a much different word than being. Thank you. I saw it more as a personal journey for me. Um, I can't become a healthy leader or be in a healthy church unless I'm healthy. 
And so I really took it more personally uh, in the fact that I need to have more solitude with God so I hear that direction and that voice. And I need to have the kind of character uh, that God wants me to have. One of the things that he talked about was how do you assess your health? Do you have justice and righteousness? Do you have compassion and grace? Do you have peace and wholeness? And becoming a healthy person means that you're going to be whole. And I think we are all striving for that, striving to be whole. So I'm using these four uh, specific things to really do a life check, I guess, personally, for me, um, to become a healthy leader, I need to intentionally pursue that. And I need to work with my community, you, um, to see that pursued. The fact that it's fluid and it flows, so we ebb and tide and ebb and tide. And sometimes we're in a good place and sometimes we're not in a good place. But that conflict is uh, between Christ and between that frail humanity that we have. And I think Christ is pulling us toward him in that flow. And that we're not perfect and that we can have freedom in the fact that we're not perfect, but that he can still use us whatever we're planning to do. And then... The last thing that I really, um, really felt God calling us is um, that we need to uh, really look and search our hearts for uh, the unique place that we are here in Spokane. I I think we need to figure out who we are so that we can perceive what God is trying to move us to. And so I hope and pray that um, our official board will consider that in the coming days and um, really pinpoint what we're good at and what we can see God moving in. Okay, I want to piggyback on that before jumping over to Abby. Um, that really came out of, I think, session four, Becoming Healthy Churches, and there was, there was five points. Uh, the first one being healthy churches find what God is already doing in their context and then join him. And then uh, the, the fourth is uh, healthy churches uh, release people to be who they are. Uh, and then as a church, they also find, that's the fifth point, their niche what God is wiring that specific body to be, and then they live into that. Um, that struck me. That struck me just as a leader of a, of a church as well as personally, and I can touch personally on that after you want to share, or you want me to? Uh... Okay. Um, so conference ended Saturday at noon, technically, and Abby had to stick around for meetings till five. So that gave me uh, four and a half hours or so just to reflect. And you sit there after 24 hours of fire hydrant just being poured into you, and you're trying, as, as Elena said, to sift through things. And so me being a person of few or many words, I, I, 
I wrote down some words, well, you know, what am I feeling coming out of uh, this summit? And, and I wrote uh, rototilled, um, blended, uh, raw, uncertain, resolved, excited, anticipatory, and eager. So I think it's, it's, it's living in the tension of those things. Blended, raw, rototilled, because I realized my, my spiritual health versus physical health. Um, and I really asked the question to myself, are we a healthy church? Um, you know, the, the last one's resolved, excited, eager. Um, if we can figure out where God is blowing and we can just stick our sail there, oh, it's going to be amazing. And it not only will be amazing, it'll be easy, which is different. It's not a term you hear very often from pastors as they describe leading a church. Easy. So I, I want that. Um, this idea of living into who we are really it came out as well as that becoming a healthy person. And the, the phrase they used was living in your lane. Um, you know you're in your lane. Like if you, they use example of a 100-meter dash at the Olympics. You've got a lane you've got to stay in. Otherwise, you get disqualified if you step into somebody else's lane. And there is a unique way that God has hardwired each one of us. There's a unique way that he has made us. It, uh, we get excited about different things. You know, when Nathan goes to bed, he's thinking about something different than I'm thinking about. When he wakes up, he's thinking about something different than I'm thinking about. We each have these specific areas. And yet in a church, even a church our size, so often we're stepping into each other's lanes because there's so much to do and, and yet not enough people to do it. And, and the conference is telling us, the leadership is telling us, stay in your lane. So for me personally, I really had to wrestle with where is my lane? Now, had you asked me two years ago, I could have told you. I could have laid it out to a T. Okay, here's my life mission statement. Here's the way I'm hardwired. Here's my Myers-Briggs. Here's my uh, spiritual, my, my strength finder 2.0. But before, and I, again, I should have seen this coming. Uh, Abby and I, as we were getting on the plane here in, in Spokane, I was looking at a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a strengths inventory that tells where you're gifted. And I was looking at it. I took it five years ago, and she took it like two days ago. And I started realizing I'm a different person than I was five years ago. I've changed. I've morphed. I've grown. I've, I've been beaten up. I've been built up. Um, a little bit of everything in those five years. So I kind of went into the conference like, oh, who, who am I? And then they're focusing on stay in your lane because that's where you're going to be most effective. And that's where God's going to use you. And I'm sitting there thinking, where's my lane? Lord, where is it? You know, I talked to Abby and Elena on the way home from the evening session. I grabbed another pastor that I trust. What's my lane? And so I'm, I'm excited to figure that out again. I think I have some ideas, but part of, part of that is uh, just the, the anticipation of, okay, once I refigure that out, I'll be able to, uh, catch this, I'll be able to say no to a lot of things. You're requesting me to do something? No, it's not in my lane. But somebody else's lane it may be in, and let's find them. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, uh, Abby found it on, on the way back. It's actually in a discussion that Paul is having with the, Corinth, the, the Corinthians church about circumcision. But it's sandwiched. So the two phrases, the two verses that I want to read um, really kind of emphasize this point that, that I took out of conference. 
7 verse 17 says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all churches. And again, this is talking, yes, about circumcision, but also, I would say, coming out of this conference, also about the way we've been made. God's saying, hey, the way you've been made. And for some of us who who came to Christ later in life, maybe we were passionate and excited about certain things that we thought, well, we have to get rid of now that I'm a good church person. But maybe that's part of how God's hardwired us, and we have to figure out how do we bring Christ into that because that's our lane. I mean, I, I think of my own passion for physical fitness. There's no reason why I can't bring Christ into that and live in that. Um, the, the, the sandwich, chapter 7, verse 20 says, Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. So my challenge to us is going to be, let's find our lane as individuals. And I'm going to be asking you guys this. I mean, Abby and I talked on the, on the flight back. Let's try and get into everybody's home over the next year. Wow. We want to have conversations with you. We want to be able to serve you guys and figure out how you're hardwired so that we're not constantly saying, hey, will you do children's ministry when that is not your thing? But maybe something else is your thing, and we can say, let's run with that. Um, I started preaching. Abby? I think everyone can agree that being healthy is important um, individually. And if you're sick individually, you probably shouldn't lead something, that kind of stuff. But what's, what's the purpose? I mean, yes, there's, there's personal benefits to being a healthy person, a whole person. There's, there's community benefits to being a good leader. Um, ultimately, what we need, it's, it's kind of a both and We need to be healthy for the sake of this church, for the sake of this community, for the sake of our families, for the sake of us as individuals. But we also need to be healthy, and we need to be striving to be healthy because there is a dying world. And there's a lot of people who are looking to be whole, and they don't necessarily know how. For whatever reason, the situation they found themselves in life is broken. Sometimes it's because of their own choices. Many of us have been in that situation ourselves. Sometimes it's because of choices that were put on them, the family they happen to be raised in. Um, and it's our job as the church and the people of God to go outside and bring them and, and serve them where they're at and show them what health is. But we have to be healthy in order to do that. So that's kind of the end result as to why do we even do this. Uh, as James mentioned, I am part of the um, MEG. Does anyone even know what the MEG is? M-E-G. Raise your hand if you don't know what it is. Okay. I thought so. So I'm going to give you a little uh, rundown of what it is. Um, in the Free Methodist denomination, there are two, well, there's three um, in each conference, uh, governance Boards. There's the board of directors in each conference. 
There is the MAC, which they like acronyms. MAC means Ministerial Appointments Committee. 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 Thank you. Um, so those are the people who decide uh, there's a pastor who is ordained, and there's a need in Nacogdoches, Texas. Oh, maybe this pastor wants to go serve in Nacogdoches. Let's figure out if it's a good skill set, gifting, et cetera, et cetera. They're the ones who figure out where the pastors go. Um, and then there's this MEG. The MEG is the Ministerial Education and Guidance Committee, and that's what I serve on. Um, it basically, there's a lot to it, but basically we help pastors. Okay, let's say Carly decides she feels the call of God on her life to be in ministry. She doesn't know what that means. She just says, I just, I'm feeling something. So she goes and talks to James. James, I feel like I must, God wants me to do something in ministry, but I'm not sure what. I really don't think I want to be a pastor, but maybe I do. So James would then work with Carly as a local mentor, or he would find somebody that could be a local mentor to her. And they would go through this step. Basically, this is the LMC, the local ministerial candidate process. This is what Elena and Zach are in in our church. Um, this, the first step of this is discernment. We put people in place mostly this is at the local church level, but the MEG still had, the conference still has a little bit of oversight to it. We say, we help them. We give them tools. James talked about the strength finders. It's a little tiny book that gives, it has a lot in it. And and it helps you learn who you are. How did God hardwire you? We do some spiritual gift inventories. We figure out what are your passions? What are you excited about? What do you hate? Like in terms, I don't put me in charge of money. The church will be bankrupt in a week. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, And so we would oversee that Carly would be getting the oversight she needs on a local level and helping her discern. Is she interested in missions? Is she interested in serving as a layperson in a church? Is she interested in going down the vocational ministry track, whether it be pastor or uh, parachurch ministry, like um, working with a nonprofit in the community? Or deaconate, which we're trying to figure out the different language for that because there's a lot of basically a really trained lay leader. And so we would help her with that. And in that process, she may be like, you know what? I actually just love teaching preschool. And that's, she used to do that. And maybe that she was still doing it. And, you know, this is actually where I think really where God is calling me to be is be a preschool teacher. But now that I know myself more, and I, I feel like I've had some training in that. I'm more confident in doing it. And so she would step out of that process at, on an official level, but she would feel equipped to do what she's already been doing. Does that make sense? Okay. But let's say in that discernment process, she says, you know, I actually love preschool children, but I have a passion not just to love them and their families at a daycare, But I have a passion to um, love them and their families in this context of a church. And I, I, I want to see little children know Jesus. And she bleeds that stuff, let's say. And so, okay, James, I kind of think this ministry thing would be a good idea. So, so now what? And then we would move her into more of a, this called CMC, a conference ministerial 
candidacy process. So now she's more, she's still working with her local church, but she would be working with me, basically. Um, and we, me and a group of people. And we would do way more intensive um, just prepping her. There's a lot of things in that that we would really make sure she's equipped and she knows what she would be doing. Um, we would give her different opportunities. Maybe, um, Carly, you are really more in a... Maybe God wired her to be more in a rural setting, in a small little community church. Maybe she really wants to be in a big inner city ministry, big church. You know, there's different nuances in ministry, and God has created people differently. Um, James is probably never going to lead a black church in Chicago, right? There are others who are gifted in that. Um, Stacy Barden's probably never going to rough it up with guys on the roof in Pasco, Washington, hammering shingles, whereas Richard, you know, that's what he does. God has gifted her in a very different way than he's gifted Richard. And so we're helping people decipher that. And as a regional MAG, or as a conference MAG, it is a tool that to give to churches and to pastors to help equip pe- uh, people in the church. I've heard over the years several people say, I love these ideas. I just have no idea where to start. I don't know how to go about leading. I'm not sure how the gifts that I have could benefit anybody. And, you know, I've just been a stay-at-home mom for 17 years. What can I do? You have gifts. And we are a resource to help you discover those gifts and um, hone them in so that you can be effective, whether you go in vocational ministry or not. This is not a wasted or not wasted, that's not the right word. This is not an endeavor just for people who may go down the pastoral track. And um, my guess is a lot of you probably didn't even know I was on this thing. And I'm right here in the, your midst, in your church. And I would love to come alongside you, if this is resonating at all, to come alongside you and help you figure out, what are some of my gifts? I don't even know. Um, and, and help you plug into what you're doing. It doesn't mean you have to change careers. It could be that you're... I'm trying to look at who's... Jeff Cates. He is in management at a big company doing a lot of... He has influence over a lot of people. At How old are you? 27. <laughs> okay. Old, he said. <laughs> okay, 65. He's nearing retirement. Right? He's not going to have a second job necessarily. He's not going to change careers. That's not, that's not something he's most likely going to do. It's not a probable thing. But does it mean he, okay, well, I'm retired. I guess I'm, I don't need to do anything. That's kind of what Mike was talking about. You know, there are still pe- communities that he's going to be involved in, people of influence that he will have. And figuring out for him, what does that look like? What does this look like in the next season of my life? I'm not sure. And I don't know who to walk. I don't know who to ask. I don't really want to ask James because he's so busy. 
he's got, you know, ten other things he's got to figure out. Well, there's other people who, and we're, as a MAG, we're trying, we're trying to create a network of people so that we can plug others in of mentors and ministry like-minded leaders. So that if you're interested in, um, let's say you're a corporate financial person, there's other people in Timberview and Opportunity who are also, they like that kind of stuff. I don't like that kind of stuff, but they like that kind of stuff. And so helping you guys network and figure out how can we as financial advisors in our professional life, how can we take those skills that God's gifted us with and do something for the kingdom of God here in Spokane? Does that make sense? So it's a lot of networking, and we're a resource and a tool to help people with that. So if you're at all interested in finding out more about that, let me know. Um, the other big takeaway, personal takeaway point for me was um, there's, well, there's so many, but the idea of having a confessional space sounds very Catholic-y, but the idea of verbalizing your sin to a group of trusted people or a trusted person and um, taking the time and intentionality to do that is very, very, very powerful. God, you can have conversation with God and you can know his forgiveness, but I don't remember the exact verse, James, but it talks about forgiveness with God, but then he commands us to, to confess to others and it's not for our salvation. That's with God. But we confess to others before our healing. And um, That's James chapter 5. James 5. That's why I married him. <laughs> um, but taking that time to intentionally uh, do that with somebody. And that's hard. That's vulnerable. Who wants to say, yeah, I did this, this horrible thing, on a regular basis? And I, you know, 20 weeks down the road, yep, still doing that. But I'm in process. I'm working through it. Like Elena said, this is a continuum. And it's okay to have the flu. What's not okay is just continuing to, you know, not getting care for yourself. It's okay to um, cut your foot. It's not okay to have a gangrene leg and not take care of it. Does that make sense? So one of the um, tools that the conference gave us, it's very, very practical, this one specifically, more specifically, it would fit for everybody, but more specifically designed for the pastors. Um, but I'm going to work on getting this available for anyone else um, who would like it. But it's called a life checkup. And it's a very simple, practical tool that you could use for yourself personally and use in a context of a confessional relationship. And it goes through um, general topics, love, faith, humility, Purity, relationships, integrity, and heart. And these are very specific things. They're the, these are the same ideas that um, we as a MEG use when we're looking at uh, candidates. We want to make sure the candidate is fully um, healthy. We've checked all behind all doors, not just one. Oh, yeah, they can preach. Great, let's sign them up. No, maybe they preach, but then they go home and yell at their wife. That's a problem. We need to talk about that. So some of the questions in these, and they're hard. These aren't easy things. So if you ever want to do this, make sure you know what you're getting into. Um, have you? Do you speak unkindly about people when they are not present? 
Are you intentionally building a relationship with a spiritually lost person? Um, is your prayer life meaningful and life-giving? Are you controlling, stubborn, critical, unteachable, or judgmental of others? I mean, who wants to go tell others this? You know, that's not super fun. In reality, does the church and or your spouse or family serve you, or do you have a genuine servant's heart which delights in serving their needs, whether or not you get the credit? Are you quick to genuinely celebrate other successes, or, and do you collaborate or compete with others? Have you been radically generous lately, whether in attitude, words, or deed? Is there something in your life which is out of control or not a priority? Things such as television, alcohol, drugs, sports, internet, hobbies, food. If so, what are you going to do about it? Do you get enough, excuse me, do you get enough rest, exercise, and weekly practice of the Sabbath principle? Are your finances in order, not living under the burden of consumer debt? Do you work with all of your heart as under the Lord, being diligent in your responsibilities? Is the spirit convicting you of lying or misrepresenting or withholding the truth? Are you accountable to at least one other person outside of your spouse? What do you need to grow as a person or in your ministry? How is your marriage and family life? Are you feeling lonely and isolated or healthfully connected to others? Do you need assistance to resolve or mediate toxic conflict in your family or church? How often do you look at porn? Is your walk with God, Lord, the Lord meaningful, life-giving, and foundational to your life? You get the idea, right? These are hard things. But Jesus is a great physician, and he wants to heal these things. When we go to the doctor, it's not... No, who looks forward to going to the doctor for their annual physical? You know, you take your clothes off. You get to sit in the little paper gown on the really uncomfortable, crinkly table where it's cold and someone gets to come and look at all your stuff. You know, no one looks forward to that. But it's necessary, isn't it? Some people say no. (laughs) (laughs) But it is necessary. And you want to go to a, a doctor that specializes in the thing that you're wanting to go to. You wouldn't go to the doctor who you've gone to for 40 years because they're so welcoming and friendly, just like a general practitioner doctor who's so warm and welcoming and friendly if you have cancer of the liver. It's not their specialty. You know, and we, as a church culture, we have a specialty in something, and we have to figure out what that something is so that we can purposely minister to people who need that. And those things lead to health. I mean, with that overall theme, um, six of us here, Zach also went, I would encourage you guys, um, afterward, if you have questions, come and, come and grab us, uh, have us elaborate on something that was said or, or, uh, you know, if you want somebody to pray with or for, um, Dennis Jeffrey, our superintendent said this, uh, he says, pursue health, pursue health. He cares more about the health of our churches than the growth of our churches because when we're healthy we'll grow I think that first church is uh, in the process as every church is as Dr. Dean said we've got some things to work on 
but we're becoming. So we need to pursue health. Thanks for uh, letting us share this morning. Uh, thanks for going. Thanks for being fully present there, fully present here. Thanks for your leadership, guys. And uh, man, let's see what God does with all this. We've got a summer, we've got a fall, Lord willing. We've got plenty of days ahead to impact not just ourselves, but the, the, the world around us. Um, Mike, as delegate, could you pray for us? Uh, could you pray for whatever God wants to do with us? And then would you start us off in the doxology as our benediction? And as soon as we say amen at the last of that, we'll be good to go. Heavenly Father, we, we do come this morning confessing that uh, many times we fall short of the mark. Uh, we also come confessing that uh, sometimes we beat ourselves up when we shouldn't. Father, I thank you for this, this group of people that we call the congregation, that we call First Church. Father, I thank you for the lessons that uh, have been taught by us up here as people who uh, represent leadership. I ask that we, uh, or I uh, thank you that we uh, have done justice with uh, your word and your message. Father, I uh, pray for each one of us here. I pray that we might not just run the race, but find our lane and run it with vigor and run it with you in mind. Father, I do thank you for all who are here. I thank you for those who, uh, who have prayed for me, uh, and now it's a privilege to pray for those. So, Father, we uh, look forward to uh, a great year with you. We look forward to uh, becoming what you would want us to become. So these things we pray in your matchless name. Amen.